plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. And we're here to talk magic because things have changed. How you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, didn't get a ton of sleep on Sunday night, and that tiredness has carried over into yep. tonight. So still, your whole week. still don't feel great. Uh, I thought I was sick. Apparently, it was just allergies. Like I did a bunch of yard work and whatnot on uh, over the weekend, mm-hmm. and on Monday, like I went through like half a box of tissues, like blowing my nose. Like it was oh, bad, man. and I was like, "Great, I'm sick. I'm you know at a new company. I'm sick, and I'm gonna feel like crap." And then it's gone. Just, just better. Just, just better. Like so, well, it must have just. But it was bad. Like better than the alternative. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I much rather prefer that. Um, it just made Monday really suck because I didn't sleep at all on Sunday and then felt like double crap on Monday. Yeah. And I'm still kind of dragging ass a little bit today, but I'm here. Uh, Did you go to work? You know, oh, yeah. Days yet. No, yeah. I, I haven't kind missed work through. forever. Yeah. So. Um, well, you don't and, have to now, though. You have a job that like you, you are not like the backbone of the entire company. You can take some time off if you need yeah, to. Yeah, I know. But, well, in 30 days you can. You can't yet. Yeah, but I can't yet. <clears throat> I had to get through my first 90 days, but like. The big thing with me is like the reason I miss work or the reason I don't miss work isn't because I can't per se. It's just in principle, if I'm able to work, Mm -hmm. I should be at work. Like I've made a commitment to be there on these days and I should honor that commitment. So I do. Yeah. Um, Unless I literally can't. So, I mean, there are there are reasons I wouldn't come to work. None of them have happened over the past eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Except for one, I get I, I did get COVID. I got hit pretty hard. Missed yep. one day of work from that. Yep, took some time. So um it happened to have it just happened to fall on a weekend. So I was sick on Saturday and then still sick on Sunday. And by the time Monday rolled around, I was good enough. Yep. So just went back to work. Um but yeah, over the weekend played more Valheim. Still like super into that. I built a s- second base. So, like, I spent, like, four or five hours building, like, a, a T-shaped kind of log, a long house. So I hate you so much. Why is that? You could spend four or five hours playing a game. Yeah, I can when I'm playing the right game. You just, no, just you have time. Oh, yeah. You just have time. That's weekends. Ugh, whatever. What? <laughs> just has time lying around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I, uh, busy during the week, all I can do on the weekend is sleep. Yeah, well... You could squeeze out four or five hours to play a game on Saturday and Sunday. Between Saturday and Sunday, you could have. Uh, speaking of which, uh, one of our buddies did contact me about doing a LAN party So oh, on Sunday. Yeah. So he got back from a vacation, and I was hitting him up. I won't mention who. So That's what I had scheduled on Sunday, and I forgot about. Hmm. Just remember your plans? I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> tell you in a minute <laughs> yeah that makes sense but anywho uh if that doesn't happen if it happens it happens if it does it doesn't i i told him i was game if he wants to if not whatever i don't even know what we'd want to play because like i said if we were going to play diablo you, we'd all have to start over again mm-hmm. which you know if we're just goofing around whatever but like you know, we, we could just play like elden ring no we can't like elden ring isn't co-op in the same way <laughs> no right. if we all just wanted to hang out and play elden ring on one tv that's you know that's fine. You guys could just buy Elden Ring, and you can I can summon friends. There's 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 you can have people with you. you they made changes. Just... It wouldn't bother me playing multiplayer Elden Ring if, from what now this may not be true. This is just re- oh, it but puts, like it having puts you, to it... summon the your friends every time you want to fight a boss. Like I believe they fixed that. Like I if the game was 
you have a game and you are allowed to open it up to co-op people on your friends list and those people can join and play indefinitely and do whatever they want. I believe they right. done. I believe they changed it. It used to be you can only summon your friend for certain areas. I believe they have changed it so you can just pal around. Yeah. So that's kind of how Dark Souls 3 was. Well, and that's how, like, I mean, I don't want to say what's the point of co-op if you don't have that, because I know it's designed to help get help with bosses and, you know, PvP yeah, or whatever. But, but, like... It's 2022. I want to hang out with my friends. Right. Yeah. This online gaming is the standard. Yeah, which, it is. And to be fair, if they wanted to build it, and they do, to a large extent, they build dark souls as a single player experience with like a side order of co-op yeah like it's not supposed to be an mmo or something like that where you're constantly around people you know strangers in a persistent world stuff like that so now what does legitimately ruin it is i'm pretty sure that if you have uh people with you it puts you up in the invasion queue Oh, gotcha. So we'd be constantly being be, invaded by there randos. Was two of us, we'd probably be constantly getting invaded. Yeah, and there's no way for us to shut that off. Shut it off, because like you Drop. had mentioned, if you don't want to get invaded, you just unplug from the internet. Sure well, can. we can't do co-op and unplug from the internet. No, they do not have local area network co-op. That would have been cool. Yeah, it would have. Well, I miss those days. A game that's only ninety out of, ninety out of a hundred. No game's perfect. No game is perfect. <laughs> I mean, why can't I get a link cable like I did back in PlayStation 1? Like, those were the days, man. Command and Conquer, two TVs, two PlayStation 1s, link cable. You get about 45 minutes into the game, and it's unplayable because of the lag. Like, the PlayStations cannot keep up. So, like, I'll be like, I'm going to highlight these MIGs and send them to attack my buddy's nuclear plant. And they move at, like, beep, beep. Like, (laughs) it would take, like... 15 minutes to like have jets like fly across the map. Peak gameplay right there. <laughs> yeah. It's great up until it gets to that point. Though. Yeah. And again, it was, we were dealing, none of us had like, I shouldn't say none of us. Half of our group had, were like solidly middle class and then half of us were poor. Then I was in the poor one. Uh-huh. The poor people, we just didn't have computers. We had consoles. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, anybody with a computer could actually play Command and Conquer, but they people. ported it to yeah. You know, a PlayStation game, and we were like, well, we want to play this. Uh-huh. And that's how we all played it. I'd never played Command and Conquer on a PC until Red Alert 2. Sure. So, which, if anybody knows anything about Command and Conquer, we'll know what that means. But like, it's several games into the series. Yeah. Like, I played Command and Conquer, uh, Red Alert, and then Red Alert 2 Retaliation on uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And they're fantastic games uh, if you like RTSs. <clears throat> but yeah, just sitting there with a controller trying to highlight troops and yeah, it was just a nightmare. But yeah, I don't know why you can't just link cable with a PlayStation. Pretty cool. That I would be. The internet is supposed to be your link cable. The problem is any jackass can grab the other end of the cable. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't like playing magic with strangers. I don't like playing get video games with strangers, like especially anything to do with like PvP. Yeah, I rarely, I I rarely am in chat. I really talk to people. It's almost always a the wrong decision. Yeah, that's just the vast majority of the people on the internet and in the world are assholes. Yep, pretty much. To put it politely, as politely as I can. Yeah. So yeah, I just played Valheim, just chilling. Played quite a bit. So um, relaxing, maxing all cool. Yep. Um, other than that, I continue to watch House of the Dragon and Rings of Power, and uh, still good. Okay. 
House of the Dragon is fine. It's still not as good as Game of Thrones. But Game of Thrones is kind of a one in a million. Yeah, Game like, of Thrones, like seasons one through four, fantastic yeah. TV. That's like Walking Dead. You don't get very many Walking Dead. Yeah. Where, where just like everyone agrees unanimously that's amazing. I actually don't agree with that. And I love zombies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the I first didn't. season of didn't Walking... Hook, it didn't hook me, but it... It, it's it, it very hooked, popular. It it's, hooked the United States. Yeah, it, it's very popular. Um, I I don't know. Walking Dead just didn't like after I made it as far as like them getting off the farm, and any Walking Dead people will know what I'm talking about. And at that point, I just started to tune out. Yeah, because it's just not about zombies at all. And I know it's supposed to be. Oh, you know, people are the real bad guys and stuff like it's. Yeah, it the show's boring in my opinion, and just doesn't it too many. Of these like overused tropes and just ugh, bleh. Yep. Uh, Game of Thrones one through four very good. Uh, five through eight are mediocre. Eight is just eight itself is garbage, like I've hot heard. garbage. House yep. of House of the Dragons is about on par with like maybe like four through six. It's kind of in that range. Uh, Rings of Power is just boring in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like there's one. There's one part because they've they've got it kind of split up where there's several pairs of characters and they're very disjointed currently. Elrond, who's an elf, and Durin, uh, Prince Durin, because his dad's also his name is Durin. He's a dwarf. Those two guys are awesome. It's the only thing about the whole show that I actually watch. Yeah. And their friendship is great. There's this scene where like, so uh, Elrond and Durin are great friends. They're very close friends. And elves are immortal. So to them... Time doesn't feel the same way as everyone else. Yeah. Well, Elrond shows up to talk to Durin about some stuff, and Durin won't even talk to him. He's like, dude, I haven't seen you in 20 years. I have kids. I have a wife. You missed my wedding. And he's like legitimately hurt because in his... because Dwarves aren't immortal. They do live a few hundred years. They live yeah. longer than people, but they're not like immortal in the elvish sense. He's like legitimately hurt because his friend, his best friend, just bailed for two decades. Yep. Meanwhile, Elrond's just like, what's up? Because yeah. <laughs> 20 years to him is a blink of an eye. Because time is meaningless. He's thousands of years old. Yeah. And like that was a real, like that really kind of, that was a very effective piece of writing. It was a very moving scene. Uh-huh. And like that whole thing, because like uh, Durin and his wife, his wife is fantastic. She's a very lovable character. Uh, the whole um, Moria or Casa Doom is just gorgeous. Like I love, I'm, I think I might have talked about this before, but I love that whole part of that show, and the rest of it I watch because I want to see Elrond and Durin. Yep, <laughs> I'm hoping it picks up. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I, nothing would make me happier than this show being great. Uh, right now, it's me solidly mediocre. It's mm-hmm. something I watch. I don't even necessarily look forward to it. I it's go there. Hey, it's Friday. What do you want to do? Yeah. You want to watch Lord well, of the Rings? It's a few hours of content. That's Yeah, it's, I need some content to fill my life. Right. Gotcha. What are you going to do on Friday night at when you're almost 40? What are you going to do on Friday night? Yeah. <laughs> and married. O'clock. Yeah. Like it the days of going out are long past yeah. me. So, yeah, how about you, Jake? So, this weekend, we'll start earlier. A couple weeks ago, my freezer died. Yep. We have a chest freezer, so it's no big deal. I kind of thought something, I think there was like there was a, probably a fan broken or clogged with ice or something. And I just, you know, I'm working basically 11 and 12 hour days with driving, so I haven't got to it. Well, this weekend, when my dad was moving out, my father has, he's got a girlfriend, slash they're getting married soon. They got a house. The offer has was accepted. Hopefully they signed for it in a few weeks. And so he's finally moving out. He got his room cleared out. He's getting the garage cleared out later. Well, while he's getting it out, 
we realized that day that the fridge just didn't feel that cold. Mm-hmm. It's been, I mean, the fridge has been like 35 degrees, 37 degrees. Yeah. And then it just kind of wasn't feeling that cold. So I tore it apart, pulled it apart, cleaned the cleaned the coils off, cleaned everything off, blah, blah, blah. And then it has just, you know. Gotten 50, worse. 55, 60, 60. So I have a fridge. And so when you're a grown-up and you own your own house and your fridge dies, you go get a credit card. <laughs> Luckily, my wife is very good with money. We have... Uh, Unfortunately, we've had to spend a we've had to spend like a thousand dollars on house stuff already, and we, that's all house fund that she manages, and we still had a thousand dollars left in it, so we could afford the vast majority of the fridge. We bought the same one we have, just another, just newer. Um, but we had to go buy a fridge, and so we ended up going yesterday. We didn't record on Tuesday. This is Wednesday because the only thing we ever do now is record on Wednesday, so I have to edit it all in one night. Yep. I will not get home until nine thirty, and I'll be editing until eleven thirty, so this can come out by midnight. But. We went to Lowe's. Uh, they had a good deal. They actually had the one we liked. Um, it was one of those real sales or not. Supposedly it ended today, so it could be a real sale, mm-hmm. but it was like $700 off. There you go. And then if you get their credit card, you get another 100 bucks off. So I will take everything we can get. Um, the earliest install we could do, would you like to guess what day it was? No idea. Sunday. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. And so he he said that because it was, uh, it was either well, at Friday. Least I'm surprised they do it on a weekend. Me too. Uh, it was either Friday or Sunday. And Sarah was like, I can't do Friday. I have like a six hour thing and I'm at work all day. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Indy all day. And they have to have somebody there Someone's at least to let them in. Yep. And so she said, and said, oh, well, let's just do Sunday then. And I was, I was like, I had that. I was like, so we had shit on Sunday. Didn't, and I asked her, don't we have something planned for Sunday? And she said, not that I know of. I was like, okay, we'll do Sunday. Yep. And then Matt reminded me that we're trying to do a land party Sunday. So <laughs> to be fair, those things. That just got talked about two days ago. Yeah. So like, yeah, that there's nothing the, confirmed. The You're not ta- bailing or the anything. The friend we're speaking of just finished his honeymoon in Europe. Yeah. So, no, it's fine. Uh, we'll probably. Be, I mean, like realistically, it's gonna take half an hour. They're gonna pull in. They're gonna pull our fridge out. Put the yeah. new fridge in. It's, our fridge when because we had to get a new one. Yep. We were in the same boat. Same we bought happened. our house, and our fridge was much older than Jake's. Current or yeah, like Jake's your fridge that died is relatively new. So I looked up the serial number. And as far as I can tell, I'm fairly confident that fridge was made in 2018. Ooh. But here's the thing. And I we're buying the same fridge. I it's a Samsung and I Samsung has great reviews online. It's a it's they have a great uh 5-year and 10-year warranty. Mhm. Uh if you bought it. Yeah. If you didn't buy it, you can go fuck yourself. Yep. And we bought the house, it came with the house. You're so. like, "Well, technically I bought it, just not from Samsung." Yep. <laughs> so they don't give a shit about us and that is what it is. But they do now. They will now until yep. we sell our house in four years. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then if that, <laughs> then they, the next person is on the hook. Then they're fucked. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, that was my like you know adulting kind of caught up. I mean, like I'm not broke by any stretch of the imagination, but money's getting kind of tight. I'm blowing through. Luckily, I'm using my wife's car, but I'm blowing through 80, 80 to hundred bucks in gas a week. Yeah. On top of making taking kind of a small pay cut, but there's a small just straight up pay cut. Then I'm losing fifty to sixty bucks a week for this tool account I have because I had to finance through my company, which is very nice of them. It's all interest free, but it's like eight hundred dollars worth of tools. That's all financed. So my 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 paycheck has gotten eaten kind of twice in a row mm-hmm. in little chunks. Then my paycheck is I mean I'm making a hundred dollars less a week. Period. And then my fridge died. Yep. And you know it's we're going into winter. I actually probably need to fill my propane tank soon. That's going to be five hundred dollars. It's getting kind of rough. Getting kind of tight, so we'll see what happens. I got my motorcycle for sale. Hopefully, I can get that sold, and that'll kind of pad the accounts for a bit. I was going to ask you about that, um, since you know, apparently, we're just not going to talk about magic. We're going to talk about real life things, uh, which is fair. Is it better to sell it? Like, if in theory, in the if spring. you could hold off, just in the spring. Okay, that's what I was going to ask better. you. Because, like, 
I would imagine the market in where we live for motorcycles yeah, goes way it's, down. There, there's in the fall a lot of guys because fall's great riding weather. Yeah. fall is probably the best. Fall and spring are the best riding seasons. Uh, maybe fall is better because in in the spring you still have salt on all the roads. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of people that will upgrade their bike in the fall. They've rode their bike all spring and summer, and they want to upgrade for the fall because it's the best season. And then you have a lot of people who, in the spring, get started, and they buy a bike or upgrade. Both gotcha. are fine. Spring's probably better, but I have it listed for a decent price. I'm not going to try and get every penny out of it. I'd rather just see it move. I really want to take a big chunk of it because I'm very irresponsible, and whenever I make a lot of money for anything, I always blow a, bu- a chunk of it, and I plan on taking a chunk of it and taking my wife to Jamaica. We're going to go on a second honeymoon and go on like a legit basically a couple's getaway Mm -hmm. like we're gonna go on a sandals a sandals resort and those are like couples only all inclusive go have some fun in jamaica for a week that's my plan uh but other than that well assuming your oven doesn't die knock on wood yeah oh the microwave's dying (laughs) well at least microwaves aren't very expensive they're like 120 bucks like i can (laughs) float that yeah, it's just that's my. I do have a room back in my house. I do have my extra room back. So. Yeah, I was going to say, on top of all of this, you're also taking in a little bit of a pay cut because oh, yeah. now oh, your dad's talking. not paying you rent. Yeah, I'm also losing 500 bucks a month because my dad helped pay, helped a lot pay rent. He paid for the room and paid for the garage space, which was it's nice to get the space back, but my rent did just go up yeah. $500, my mortgage. Yay. So, need this new job to get going. I was going to say, once you, going, you're going to have to push some water heater, sir. Yeah. Are they. <laughs> To be fair, we sell a ton of water heaters. It's not hard to make very good money with this company. Everyone tells me, and I'm a good salesman. I'm good to people. I just have to get there. Yep. And so we're kind of just scraping along to to get there. But we'll figure it out. Yeah. Other than that, nothing crazy happened. I did some forging this weekend, which was fun. I mowed the grass this weekend, which was kind of fun. I like mowing the grass. But I didn't really do a whole lot other than try. I mean, I did try to fix my fridge for like four hours. Is it free on leak? I don't know. Um... The compressor works. It buzzes. It hums. It gets hot. So probably. Uh, so we had a, a, like a appliance repairman come out and look at our fridge before we replaced it, and he basically came to the conclusion. He's like, it's, he's like, I can't know for sure. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's a freon leak, and if it's a freon leak, this thing's trash. Yep. Well, so like, I had thought of like if it only if it costs like two or three hundred bucks to fix that, we're just gonna buy a new one because I just want we need a working fridge. I would spend 300 bucks to have it working in my lower garage. Yeah. But I'm not willing. I don't know I don't know what a compressor costs or a Freon charge costs. It's probably going to be 150 bucks for a guy to come out and tell me what it costs. Yeah, just to And then it's going to cost $400 for the repair and him to come back out and Yeah. At this point just Yep, let's get a new fridge. You'd be better off just buying a Yep. Like a Craigslist fridge a for 100 bucks. A Craigslist fridge or like just the cheapest fridge you could get at yeah. like Menards or something like that. Yeah, so that's my weekend. I've been adulting i've been working i i work 40 hours a week i work it's eight and a half hours it's eight hours of the 30, 30 yep. minute lunch but it's three hours of driving so i work basically 12 hours a day on top of that i had to go fight to get this done i also run pioneer nights on monday i record this with matt i have no life right now and nor will i for the next few months but we're building towards something great yep um speaking of something great our patrons are great they are <laughs> So as every week, I want to give a huge shout out to our patrons. If you want to follow us and help us out in a very direct way, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Huge shout out to Emperor, who gets our stuff on Reddit every week. That dude is awesome. Uh, huge shout out to Ramblin' Rogue, Derek and Ashley. Derek and Ashley are with the Family Gathering Podcast. Their episode just dropped today, so you guys can check that out. Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, who I need to get Nate's shirt ordered, actually. I've waited a little too long on that, but Nate's going to be hitting his third month here in a week or two, and he's got that shirt coming in the mail. 
and Jameson, our most recent guest. So thank you, thank you all so much. We super appreciate you. And make sure and stay tuned for your extra dose of content. Probably one of the biggest perks our patrons get. Um, the 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 higher tier you get the you get a free shirt. That's if you're if you're a ten dollar patron for three months, you base you get a shirt, and it basically cost me thirty dollars to buy a single shirt and mail it to you. But you just get a Cantrip Cartel shirt. Yep. But uh, the five dollar tiers and up, they get access to basically between thirty and thirty minutes and an hour extra every week of Matt and I talking about magic or life or you're kind of so you're just looking for more content. If you like listening to us, and I'm guessing you do, you know you can just get another fifty percent of episodes sometimes. So now we go to uh, our last, for a long time, maybe ever, Planes Talkers discussion. Uh, as we talked about last week, and I didn't, we, this, I didn't talk about, like, we didn't have this discussion last week because I hadn't made final arrangements with Will and Aramis. But as they take a large recess, potentially, potentially taking their, shutting their podcast down for a while or forever, uh, Matt and I had decided to go our own way. We super appreciate the Plain Soccer's podcast. Will and Amos are awesome. We have nothing ill to say about them. But as they kind of step away from podcasting, we're going strong. We're having a great time. And we've been thinking for a while that uh, they helped us get going. And we are well past that point, And we are ready to kind of walk on our own two legs. So to complete the metaphor, we are basically moving out of the Plain Soccer's house. And we're going to be doing our own thing. Uh, as the listener, literally nothing will change. Yep. Like we're not doing it to, and realistically for us, almost nothing, nothing changes. Change. Like we're not doing it to change the podcast. Or now we're free. We do what we want. Uh, it's just we don't. Not no one's benefiting anymore from this relationship. Uh, they can do their own thing now. We can do our own thing. No reason to worry about ever stepping on anyone's toes. We could change our. We what might happen is we could possibly change our release schedule. I could totally see that happening, and we chose our release schedule to kind of respect theirs. And now I don't want to. It doesn't matter as much. I'm not yeah. as worried about it. But yeah, that's uh, you might hear me mention him once or twice. I'm still in the Discord. I still have talking to him. But we are no longer proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network. We are just Cantor Cartel, former members of the Plain former Stalkers. members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network. All right, Matt. Uh, I don't think I've got anything else. So how is Legacy looking? Not bad. Honorog uh, brought it home again with a very similar list uh, from last week. Uh, the meta looks relatively balanced. The top eight doesn't look too bad. Like, sweet. It's not bad. So we can get into it. But, like, just as a general kind of thing, nice. Looks pretty solid. Uh, at least as far as Sunday goes. I didn't get a chance to, like, really go over Saturdays, but uh, elves top aided both. So that's really all that counts. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. All criteria has been met. Well, Delver wasn't 35%. Elves top aided, all criteria has been met. Correct. So uh, just getting into it, we've got Honorog, uh, it's Anzid, is his online handle, bringing it home with four color control. We'll go over this. It's going to be pretty similar, like I said, to uh, last week's. So there's not going to be a bunch of, a huge variation here, but we'll just kind of go over it. Um, I did the, see one change that's semi-noticeable. Yeah. There's, I don't have the last week's in front of me currently. Um, so we've got Yorion. Uh, it is just going through it. It's basically doesn't have black. That's the color yep. it's missing. It's four, four colors. Color, no black. Four color, no black. Uh, Yorion, we've got Endurance and Uro, Narset and Minsk and Boo, and then the... Um, Pretty much the same the spell, spell suite. suite. Like almost yeah. the exact same. Yeah. So what was the thing you noticed that uh, I'm not I seeing? I believe last week he was running three to four carpets main. Gotcha. This week he's got one. Gotcha. And so That's last fair. week he was running a lot more main board Delver hate. Carpet of Flowers is one of those Delver killers. Like yeah, and he you, pushed it to the side. He's still yeah, got. He still got. So he still got a four. Yes. It, uh, 
four I, in his 95. I think last week they were two or th- I think they were three in the main, yeah. which is really stacked against Delver. You, you, you land a carpet against Delver. It That's just pretty com- good. It erases a huge aspect of the deck that Delver is built around resource denial and Carpenter Flowers just completely yeah. negates, especially with them running six volcanic islands now. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's almost zero chance they can play around it. Actually, there is. I don't, do they even run a mountain anymore? I'd have to look. I'm sure there's maybe some do but some people who do, but I don't think it's what yeah. we would consider the stock list like, as I've running seen a mountain. Games, I've played games where forever ago, like Delver plays around a carpet, turn one carpet, and they go like island, mountain, mountain. Yeah, and they make the game work. And now there's zero chance of that. At least, well, and the big thing is what you want to do there. As far as I know, is the Delver player, like it doesn't. You don't have to play like that for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. but what you're trying to do is minimize the damage that that carpet's doing yeah. to you. And it's very, it used to be very doable. Yes. And it's not anymore. Now it's just like every land in my deck is an island or yeah. a fetch or a wasteland. So, But other than that, the deck does look pretty much the same. Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, looks like he has, at least this week and last week, cut the uh, Cephalid Coliseum package. Mm-hmm. So... That He's seems to be that did seem very much like a win more for fun thing, like very powerful, but kind of win more. Mm-hmm. And uh, he seemed to kind of tune in on a much more powerful deck. I mean, I I feel comfortable calling it a more powerful deck because it won two challenges in a row. Yeah. Minsk and Boo uh, is pretty good. Yeah. The, the in my opinion, one of the coolest things about this particular build is like a lot of these decks have issues closing out the game because Uro being their only threat really makes it hard to yep. like win especially in a format with swords to plowshares yep. everywhere and tons of graveyard hate tons of graveyard hate so like he's not the like stick it take over the game thing that he could he be and well, that he was, he was. When he started. Again, right when the format wasn't designed to play around that intensive of, of a graveyard interaction he did he, could, yeah, he, he was, just took over games yeah and we have just a murktide's a big reason why i think that's murktide and drc are a big mm-hmm. reason why that's not oh absolutely anymore. yep we've talked about how like you get tangential um, tangential bonuses or tangential hate. Yeah. And like, you probably can't run a ton of graveyard hate just for Uro, even if he's that good. But when the best deck in the format is graveyard based, mm-hmm. mm, sorry, Uro. Yeah. Well, and, and it keeps, that's one of the things that kind of makes me curious. And we'll get to this. And I, I guess we'll bring it up as well because it's in second place. Uh, Fiend Artisan Elves got second. And this is what kind of made me think of that. Oh, a new stock elves dropped? Right. <laughs> Hear that, Jameson? I'm curious a new stock elves dropped. If. I feel bad. Jameson's a patron. I know. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> this is how, yeah, come join yeah, our Patreon. Yeah, be a patron. Get- I mean, if you want to have shade thrown to you personally, <laughs> a lot of people probably would no. like that. But the thing I'm curious about, though, as I hold my chapstick like a cigarette, um, it's a, it's is an like, audio show, Matt. No one knows that. I know, but I am. And I'm looking right at it. Uh, with Fiend Artisan, at what point, if ever, do you start bringing, like if Fiend Artisan is so good, at what point do you go, well, we're already running kind of these splash graveyard things. So like, and it's one of the things I'm curious is like, if it is actually that good, if like people are having graveyard hate everywhere, right? Yeah. Why would you want to like play into that? Play into that. I agree. Apparently it's, it's still doing fine and people are still tweaking lists. Like this one has opposition agent in the main, uh-huh. uh, another one on like a preliminary had, uh, I'd had to look at it. I don't, my short term memory is, horrible but there was another one that had another like they're just running different silver bullets basically and if that's all it's doing then obviously the graveyard hate's not going to really affect you that much mm-hmm. but if you're really leaning into this it gets plus one plus one for each creature in your graveyard thing if that becomes a thing 
where that's your primary way of winning, yeah. and that becomes a known thing. Or it's, well, it's like a solid plan B. Yeah. Well, it's just like, well, all of a sudden, yeah, you're rest hurt. in peace is now no longer a dead it's, card against you. I draw. Well, I would, I would draw the comparison to that is when people start talking about this kitty combo. Like when mm-hmm. it got when it got spoiled, everyone talked about how good it was, and I was like, guys, you're talking about running a four mana blue permanent in a red blast world. Like, I'm not saying that's not a great permanent. I'm not saying it's not a great combo, but it's just so much tan- tangential hate. Like. Mm-hmm. We are taking Jace out of our decks, not because Jace isn't powerful, but because there's six Red Blasts in every deck. Now, obviously, the deck can work. We've seen it top eight a couple times. But, like, why are you choosing to play so heavily into Red Blasts when you know it's everywhere? Yeah. Like, in a world where Delver gets banned, gets a few cards banned, or something happens, Delver isn't a huge thing, and the meta sells out to a much more widespread. to To where we're not running Blasts in the main... Kitten combo gets way fucking better because mm-hmm. that card is out of nowhere, just game over. But right now is not the time, and that's I see something. I see decks all, uh, shifting into a more graveyard-based strategy, and I'm like, guys, people are bringing in Layla in the void against Delver. Time, not the time. Well, the thing is, is they, I imagine, almost no one is bringing in graveyard hate against elves currently. That's, that's realistically well, that's, that's probably true. That's true. Because that's very Fiendar, true. but if Fiend Artisan were to ever become the pop the dominant list, yeah. now you have all these people who already are running these cards and it becomes a question of, hmm. well, do I have anything better? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where you're I mean, kind of, of opening up and because that's I, one of the things I always liked about elves. It's like don't pack hate for it. Well, well, or very little. The one of the things oh, I like okay. about it is the graveyard is just basically a discard pile. Yeah. I love okay, that I about that. And so it's just like, that's one angle of attack you can't attack me on. Yeah. And so it's just like... It's like you, what deck doesn't run Graveyard Hate? Because because of Reanimator and now Delver. But because of Reanimator, yeah. like Reanimator was the real cause. Like, what deck didn't run Graveyard Hate? Right. And you're just playing... And I, you're right, though. Whether or not people will sideboard that in against an elf deck is one thing. Yeah. But they... You just you you open up so many sideboard slots if the Delph if an elf deck if the new stock elf deck becomes more graveyard centric then you have just you've opened up sideboard slots for other decks because they've already got stuff there they've got yep. rest in peace they've got land in the void uh, surgical's not great but it could yeah it could, but well, like they yeah and you don't curse. really see surgical around so much anymore since Snapcaster Mage is kind of just yeah eh, so. I, I love I love playing surgical I love playing surgical for probe. Like I, I I love playing surgical action for the probe. You mm-hmm. don't even draw a card, but yeah. seeing the hand's powerful. Um anywho, as far as this was kind of a, a tangent, but like between Uro, who we discussed about with the graveyard stuff, and then Minskin Boo, this deck no longer has just the like, well, I'm probably gonna mill myself out or my opponent or or my opponent or something like that. Like Minskin Boo is a very quick threat. Like Minskin Boo. You talking about elves still? No, we're talking. I was talking about this. The whole elves things was a tangent within the control list because we were talking about Uro and graveyard hate and stuff like that. No, we already moved on to the elf list. I know, but I brought it. I brought it up because of that. Oh, okay. But what I was saying before we went on this tangent Man, was our, like con- our tangents so bad I'm getting lost on them. I don't. Glad <laughs> one of us doesn't. Right. But what I was saying though is between Uro and Minskin Boo, we don't. You, this deck doesn't have that problem of just like. Well, now what do I do? They killed my Uro. They they exiled my the two Uros I saw in my yeah. 80 card deck. Now what? Minskin Boo closes the game out real fast. Yeah, it's not really that big of a problem. So like you you stick Minskin Boo, and I mean if that card sticks around, you're in deep shit. I mean if it pluses twice, you're in, like if it if it pluses it has twice, answers, but it's a very trouble. it's a very good card. And it's a must about, answer threat when you're like when your opponent is using cards to answer 
you, if they're answering your hamster, they're basically just going down on cards. That's a zero for one, zero for one. Right, because you get that hamster back every yes. upkeep. <laughs> like I get they have to because they're gonna die. Yep, but I know. That's like when I play. Like uh, I play Monastery Mentor, and like sometimes. Like I've had, to, I've had. Games Sometimes where, you like, have to kill the tokens, but then you feel tokens. like shit because you're killing tokens. Yeah, or like I'll have a, I'll, I'll cast mentor, I'll fight over it, and I'll have two tokens, and over the next two turns they'll kill my tokens, and I'm like, yes. Well, meanwhile I've done nothing but draw cards. Him to Torok yourself, please. Right. So, anywho, and we can just skip over elves now because we did discuss it pretty thoroughly. Pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, but um, so <laughs> third place is Blue Red Delver. Uh, hey, Ozzy. Ozzy follows us on Twitter. Oh, nice! So yeah. he'll, he's probably listening. Congratulations! So, congratulations, Ozzy. Yep, uh, I, I'm very happy you did well. Let me let me clarify. I don't really want to talk about Delver much. I'm like 85 percent sure Ozzy follows us. Eh. He might follow us just to be like, I don't fucking follow you guys. Unfollow. <laughs> I'm really sure he follows us. Cool. Well, one way or the other, congratulations uh, yeah. on getting third. We always shit on Delver. I'm not in fantasy and Delver as probably it is. I respect everyone who takes it to the top of a challenge because it's fucking yeah. hard. Yep. I never shit on any person for playing Delver. I shit on Delver for existence. Yeah, I'm just done talking about it. Unless there's some big shakeup, it's going to be, yep. hey, there's Blue Red Delver. And this looks like And we've Blue already Red Delver. talked about Maddening Hex. So that's the only interesting thing to happen to it in a while. I will say, uh, Saturday, there's there's been people kicking around this like rug mid rangey kind of deck that I think popped up in the Saturday challenge. Oh, yeah? Uh, uh, let me bring it up real quick. Well, here, while you're looking for that, I'm moving on to fifth place. Uh, I got it. I got it right here. Never mind. Uh, so it's got DRC, Ledger Shredder, Brazen Borrower, Uro, and two Merktides. Hmm. So with it's two like, maddening. It's like a so Blue Red Del- It's Blue Red Delver with green. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it well, no kind Delver, of is like well when you say Rug Delver, like a lot of people, at least the people who've been around in Legacy for a while, think of a very specific thing with like Nimble Mongoose and Tarmogoyf and stuff like that. This is like Ledger Shredder Delver. Well, let's that's take a, drop let's, that's like kicking it into an even lower gear. Let's take a step further in the time frame to get to Rug Delver, where we were running. Uh, what's that? Clothus. Mm-hmm. Clothus and Oko. Yeah. Sometimes Oko, always Clothus. Yep. That was the recent Rug Delver, or I think it's also called Canadian Threshold. That was the real. That's I mean they got uh, Canadian Threshold from Nimble Mongoose because Nimble Mongoose has Threshold. Threshold. Yeah. So that's so, the oldest like, version. The newer of it. Rug Delvers are running things like Clothus and like little more sticky threats. Yeah. And this one doesn't even run Delver. Like, it's just DRC, Ledger Shredder. Like, it's all these value things. Okay. It's, okay. And then only two Merktides. So, like, it, this list really leaned in. It got, a, I think, seventh on Saturday. Nice. Uh, really leaning into that, like, I'm going to play just a pure mid-range deck. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have to go over it, the whole thing. It's cool that it exists. But it's, it's an interesting kind of twist on it. And it, just to bring it up, has two Maddening Hex in the main and then two Minskin Boo in the side. So, like really leaning into these that like cards. these brand not only brand new but i mean maddening hex is a three mana enchantment mm-hmm. and then you got a four mana planeswalker like just to kind of drive home the hey this game's not going to be over very quick yep. so so tangent two complete mm-hmm. <laughs> hey uh Derek gave us five stars we're tangent tangent cartel <laughs> tangent car- proud members of the tangent network <laughs> yep uh fourth place we've got five color zenith so another yorion build uh, this basically meat pie with Minskin Boo in it now. Yep. Um, it, look, these, it looks like cut and paste meat pie. Yeah. Uh, which you is it's it's new Nick fit. We 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 call it we call it meat pie forever because Julian was very kind as to coin it that for us. But it's kind of like the new Nick fit where it's all these cards that are probably too expensive to play in Legacy like Omnath and Primetime and Ramanap. But you throw them in a Yorion deck with a bunch of really good green or good spells like Green Sun Zenith, Swords of Plowshares, uh, and then you got. 
Grist and Minsimbu as some new Planeswalkers, and you got a really good deck, actually. Yep, grindy as hell. Uh, Ram and Ap- Excavator was the uh, that silver bullet kind of thing in that Elf's preliminary list I was thinking of. Uh, just to wrap that Tangent C yep. up. <laughs> Put a nice little bow in Tangent don't, C. Don't be labeling it Z this early. I don't, need, I don't need Tangent AA. No, it was C, not Z. Oh, they said Z. I no. was like, don't get us to Z already. So yeah, again, uh, I don't think we... They don't see anything in here we haven't seen before. Nah, Minsk and Boo is a, is a pickup. But I yeah, know. other than Minsk and Boo. Um, obviously, it's got Grist is great in this deck with the Green Sun Zenith. I have not seen fifth place in a while. Yeah, fifth place, Doomsday. So they have not seen that in a long we time. We have not. Uh but it's kind of cool. It's got a I don't know if you would call it a transformational sideboard, but it's got four Academy Erector and four Arena Erectors in the side. Yeah, that's dude. It's like, got, so Academy Rector, Academy Arena Rector, Sandworm Convergence, and, and Ugin Ugin's. Spirit Dragon. Yeah. Like yeah, this that's is transformational. Like, yeah. Like it's like I'm gonna play Doomsday Games One, and then you're gonna have dude, to guess whether or not I'm gonna be on Doomsday or that's eight. 10, you can kind of count Cavern yeah. Souls to count Souls Rectors, so that's 12 cards that do nothing to sure up the Doomsday matchup. Yep, like I said, they're going to win game one, and then they're going to go, which deck am I playing next? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, well, shit. You get to guess in game two, Yep. if you guess correctly, you have to guess again in game three. <laughs> right, so uh, one of the cool things, Graveyard Hate is uh, very good against Academy Rector, because it has to actually hit the graveyard and or. And then you exile it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so when it's put into a graveyard from play, you may remember exile that. it. So if you just replacement effect it with, like, Leyline of the Void or Rest in Peace, it's gone. Actually, both of them are that way. Yeah, I wasn't. I hadn't read Academy yeah, Rector. They're both, yeah. uh, when it dies, you may exile. Yeah. So your Leylines and your Rest in Pieces are very good against the uh, Rector group there. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't think... Doomsday does much with the graveyard, no, does it? No. The only thing you ever see with graveyard shenanigans against so, Doomsday would be like endurances. So this is, in my opinion, this is a pretty smart pivot. Yep. Because you're not like, yeah, they use like, uh, that was one of the things um, with the uh, Thran Foundry someone brought up was you can shuffle people's Doomsday piles. Yes. Uh, there were several other things. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is Tangent D. <laughs> but that's one of the interesting things that, uh, that I like about this is it's, you can attack my game. You can attack Doomsday in a very specific way. Yep. And if you do that, you are not attacking my Rector plan. Yep. And at all. So like, which one are you gonna do? Yeah. And like, if you you're gonna bring in all your counter magic because you have, you have to fight over these Doomsdays and fight over these Oracles, and it's like, well, yeah. Uh, are you prepared to handle Sandworm Convergence? Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna pump out five fives every turn. Not to mention, we're bringing in the Cavern of Souls, which the deck has one because casting Thassa's Oracle happens yeah, for piles. Um, but bringing in two more. Yep. So you even if you bring in your counter magic, which uh-huh. in theory would be good against the rectors, because you do have to cast them. Yep. So if you're like, so if you're sitting down in game two and they're like academy rector, you're like, well something's yep. going wrong. Well, look, <laughs> what totally what ha- totally happens in game two is like you're ju- they're just making land drops. They're just drawing, making land drops, maybe doing some cantripping. Yep. But they're they're playing a doomsday game plan until and then. They slam Cavern of Souls, slam Arena Rector, yeah. and go name human pass. Yeah, and like you have, you know, you've been sculpting your hand. You've got double force of will, force negation, spell, pierce, and fluster. I hadn't thought about it. That's what the Cabal of Therapy is in there for, too. Yes. Yeah. And they have a, and they the have entire it's this entire sideboard. All fifteen cards go in. Yep. And they have the three Cabal Therapy in the main as well. Yeah. So that's your sacrifice out because like we we're going through it, and I'm like, well, where's their sacrifice out? Like Cabal, Cabal therapy. therapy. Yep. Yep. Crazy. So Very that's cool. that's really cool. 
Um, not only is it cool to see Doomsday, clearly got some people. Yeah, uh, the, the, <laughs> you want to talk about Brewers Advantage? <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, that's I mean, you used to do the same thing with your World Gorger exactly Oko control. Did. It's just like, hey, you're gonna bring in a bunch of yep. crap with World Gorger Dragon. I'm just gonna pivot to Oko control. Mulligan to five to get double hate for a World Gorger Dragon. I'm gonna go to turn three and cast Oko. Yeah. So, uh. Sixth place, we've got Blue Red Delver again, and it does it not have anything so, new. It's almost the same. Yeah. I mean, it's almost exactly the same. Yep. Seventh place, we've got a Red Prison deck, sort of. Like, it technically is, but they've pivoted. They've got some new creatures, which I think is kind of cool. So, we've got uh, Anji's Ravager, which has been around. We've seen it kind of pop in and out. It's not what I would call this. Like, not every one of them runs it, but this one does. So it's a 3-3 three, three for 3, attacks each combat of Able. Whenever it attacks, you discard your hand and draw 3, and it's got Madness of 2. Yep. Uh, Bone Crusher Giant's pretty standard. And then we've got Lelia, the Blade Reforged. Which is an amazing value engine. Yes. So this is a 2-mana, 3-mana 2-2 two, two with haste. When it attacks, I love how all these are attack triggers. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. it, you're replacing the Goblin dudes with yeah. weird value stuff. Uh, so when it attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. And then when, when, whenever one or more cards are put into exile from your library and or your graveyard, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Yep. So every time it attacks, it's going to get plus one, plus so one. So immediately, be, it first turn attacks is a 3-3 three, three yep. and draws a card. Yeah. Sort of. You may be tapped out, but sort of. Yeah, in theory. And then next turn, it definitely draws a card. Yeah. And it's play, so you can hit land drops. Yep. Uh, then we've got Simeon Spear Guide, pretty standard. Uh, and then we've got two Caves of the Chaos Adventurer. So this card... <laughs> is using the initiative mechanic, which just got nuked from Orbit and Popper. Yeah, it did. Which we can discuss that. That I guess that'd be the, the one thing we were talking about, a third topic. We can briefly discuss the Popper stuff. Uh, so it is a four-mana 5-3 with Trample. When it enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. So for anybody who doesn't know, initiative is very similar to Monarch, but as opposed to just drawing a card at the end of your turn, every time you take the initiative... Uh, Let me read the wiki. Yeah, you basically go through the Undercity and you get weird different effects. So, only one player at a time can have the initiative. The initiative has the following ability. When you take the initiative and at the, and, the, and at the beginning of your upkeep, venture into Undercity, which is a specific dungeon you yep. can only get to with the initiative. In addition, several cards in Commander get blah, 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 blah. But that that's the important part is once you attack someone, you have taken the initiative they take it back by by uh, dealing damage yep, to you. It's the same. It's the monarch rules in that regard. And then every upkeep, you also you the initiative happens. Yeah. And then so the the undercity as opposed to just drawing a card, like one of the first ones. It's either the first or second one. Is like put two or three plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. That's one of the things that was getting Popper into trouble. Is they'd play those initiative threats and they'd almost immediately yep. become bigger. So the first one is search a library for a basic land, put it into your hand, shuffle. Yep. Then you have two choices. You can scry two, or you can put two plus one plus one counters on a creature, or you can. And these all these don't all lead into each other, but you guys yeah. can look it up. But you can have a player lose five life. You can go to creature, or you can create a treasure token. Then you can draw a card or create a four-one skeleton with menace. And then the last one is you reveal the top 10 cards of your library, put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters. It gains hexproof until your next turn shuffle. Yeah. So none of those are crazy, like none of those are crazy important, but there's plenty of good shit in the first couple. Right. So that card is very new to this deck as far as Red Prison goes. So kind of cool. 
Uh, I like the uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker synergies with Angie's Ravager. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope. Yep. The ability to discard it, still cast it, pretty nice. Yep. There's a, again, and it's still Red Prison, so the only thing, they did take Trinisphere out of the main and put it in the side, but yep. you still have uh, Chalice we, of the Void and Blood Moon. There's 20 creatures in the main. Yeah. Uh, you don't count Seeming Spirit Guy. It's still 16 creatures is a yeah. lot. Like I said, like it's it's kind of a, it's it was worth talking about. It's yeah, a very... Sure. I don't want to say weird, but it's a, a little bit of a different build or a different take on this build. So excited to see that. Uh, like I said, the sideboard, you got the Trinospheres in the side. That's really the only big shakeup as far as the sideboard goes. You still got Fiery Confluence, Leyline of the Void, and then a couple other like utility stuff like Pyroblast and whatnot. By the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, we can't talk about we can talk about Popper, but it'll be a longer episode. We did have a patron basically use their force the issue. Oh, cool. I didn't nope. tell you about it, so you'll learn about it on air. Cool. Fair enough. And you can hear my unrehearsed, uh, which I don't really rehearse because oh. I feel like that would be a huge waste of time. Oh, you have, you're good at this one. This one was for you anyway. Cool. So that's Red Prison in seventh. And then in eighth, we've got another five color uh, Zenith list. So just to make sure, yes, it's more meat pie stuff. More meat pie stuff. Almost, I mean, almost the exact same. Yeah. With the, that's kind of the, I guess, I don't want to say sad, but like it's kind of disappointing that the meat, even meat pie has been drilled down to like such a solid list where it's just like you've got 80 cards it's got a bunch of like if you just look at it on the surface looks like a bunch of random stuff but then when you look at it you're like well the same lists keep seeing success so clearly there's stuff going on the ram and app excavator makes perfect sense with like omnath and fetches like there's all kinds of like little synergies in here and whatnot and the three wasteland don't forget those yeah well well, just what i mean like just the ability to utilize those uh like, because Ramanap by himself, you're like, eh, whatever. You get Ramanap and Omnath yeah. out, and now you have like an almost oh, yeah. unwinnable. Game's over. The unless game, you just combo off, the, the game's, game's over. over. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, gives me chills. Yeah. That's all just an insane amount of value. Yeah. Uh, so, that's our top eight uh, metagame. The top one is Other. So, cool. we've got Other as four, and it is tied with Blue Red Delver and Mono Prison, or Mono Red Prison with four of each. So I don't think anybody has anything to complain about there. Twelve and a half percent. No, no. Perfectly here. reasonable here, uh, especially again given that others so high as well because that's four uncategorized decks on top of a pretty long list of decks mm-hmm. with ones and twos of two ofs. Uh, we got the blue zenith decks uh, with three elves with two death and taxes making an appearance for the first time in a while with two in the top thirty-two. Uh, it was ninth, so just missed out on the top eight. So I will say that that uh, red deck we talked about in the top eight is not classified as Mono Red Prison. So technically Mono Red Prison came in first with five. Nice. But whatever, yeah. Pretty cool. That's why we always got to watch out for it. Yep. Uh, but like we've got Bomberman in this top eight. We've got eight casters back. There's one categorized as Mono Blue a, Artifacts. pretty wide meta. Yeah, th- to be perfectly honest, this looks like a Saturday challenge. It does. But it's a Sunday challenge, so that's, that's awesome. fantastic news. Very, very cool. Um, uh, again, most played cards, Force of Will down to 50%, Brainstorm 47, Ponder 44, Swords and Prismatic Ending. Those are the top sweet. five. But it's nice to see Brainstorm in less than half of decks. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Absolutely. Uh, top Creatures, Uro. That's... What is this? Is this 2020? <laughs> look, 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 at, look at the second one. I know. Simeon Spirit Guide. Well, that's your Red Prison right there. I know. On top of other stuff. Then Delver, then Fury, then Endurance. There is literally one Delver card in the top five creatures. Right. So what, what is going on? God, there's a goblin in the top 10. The world's coming to an end. <laughs> but 
but just to kind of demonstrate the point we were talking about. So Red Prison is obviously why Goblin Rabble Master is in the top 10 creatures. Yeah. And that one we talked about doesn't even have doesn't any of the goblins. It. Doesn't have Rabble Master or Legion Warboss. Yep, took him out. Jay, trying to get some of these new, new three-ish mana threats. And placed better than the other Red Prison decks. Uh, and then top spells, Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, Prismatic, and the same as the top cards. So yeah, that's Legacy. Doesn't look too bad this week. And again, congratulations to uh, Anarog. Very happy. Good job. Very happy to see that. Result. I mean, that's just impressive. We've seen it happen a couple times yep. since we started the podcast, where people like back-to-back yep. challenges. Well, it's and also whatnot. one of those where, like, it kind of like Julian's like, I don't play in a challenge for six months, and then I like win one or come in third. Yeah, Honorog doesn't play in a challenge for a little while, and is like, well, I guess I'll just win two of them in a row. Yep. Wow. Some people are just really good at magic. Meanwhile, I'm still fighting for my first three at Pioneer. <laughs> don't worry, Jake. You'll get there. Hey, Have I you tried pr- doing it your first two times going there? Huh? Have you tried getting? Three O's your first two times you go there? I did try. Oh, uh, I, I was out. unsuccessful. That's... And unfortunately, once you don't do it the first time, it's... you can't ever get that. You can't ever do it again. Yep. That seal's been broken. So, as we normally do, let's hop over to Modern. Sunday Challenge at Modern, uh, Arnie Van O'Callum? Arnie, Van... Arnie Von Callum? Sure. <laughs> Brought it home. Arnie. With uh, Indomitable Creativity, this has kind of become the new combo deck of choice in Modern, and honestly, it's something I've, like, the more I see of it, I kind of want to try. I don't have a lot of the stuff for it. I don't have the Steam Vents, the Stomping Grounds, uh, or the Foothills, but I have probably enough fetches to make it work, and I have the Zaytor Stomping Ground. Like, I have most of these lands, and uh, most of the spells aren't terribly expensive, except, oh my god, Indomitable Creativity is apparently a $15 card. Never mind. Oh my god, Renin 6 is... $65. And that's after got reprinted, right? Okay, mm-hmm. never mind. Yeah, it was in Double Masters. Never yep. mind. I will not be trying this. The deck looks fun to play, though. Uh, so You don't have pre- an extra $1,200 sitting around, Jake? I don't. Not, I, I did, actually. Sort of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had to buy a fridge. Well, <laughs> stupid fridge. You could have been playing Indomitable Creativity. Stupid fridge, yep. But uh, this deck is awesome. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Indomitable Creativity combo. Obviously, we've only got the three Archon. Nothing in here is really that new. Uh, four Ren and Six, three Teferi. I don't know if the four Ren and Six are normal, but I'm pretty sure they are. This has always been yeah. a, this has always been a four color deck. Oh, sorry, it's always been a three color deck, and then the Leyline Bindings push into a fourth color, uh, which just makes sense in modern. That is not not a hard thing to accomplish. I think we looked last week in between all the triumphs because there's yeah. three triumphs. I they, think they have all five. If I remember correctly, they do. I think yeah. they have all. So they can very, very easily on turn two have Leyline Binding for one up. Uh, but four Indomitable Creativity, one Transmogrify, and then a bunch of Enablers. The, the Fable of the Mirror Breaker and the Leyline Bindings, probably the most recent pickups. And then other than that, just, you know, a little bit of removal, a little bit of uh, little bit of protection, Spell Pierce, Lightning Bolt. Really cool deck. Looks like a lot of fun to play. I do. I said I. I haven't. I haven't even finished that uh, challenge with Aspiring Spike, unfortunately, with the mentor list. But yeah, like I was talking to Fletcher at Pioneer the other week, and I just like we were talking about like how I I, I want to try that, and I was like, I just fucking love playing Reanimator. <laughs> I like how when I went to play Pioneer, and I was like, I should play Goblins as a new Goblin. I should test the new Goblin. And I sat down, and I was like, I just fucking love playing Esper tokens in Pioneer. I just love playing. Uh, Esper Reanimator in Modern. It's so much fun. I've, I'm moving into the. I'm moving slightly out of my spike phase and into the. I'd rather lose and just enjoy the deck I'm playing mm-hmm. than just chase the best deck every week as much. Second place, Merktide Regent. Matt's uh, got double guns for something. Subtleties in the main, motherfucker. <laughs> yep. Two subtleties in the main. 
I am not getting off this. I was right about subtlety. Absolutely called it. I, I was actually hyping you up at the card shop. And another in the side. Because we were talking about subtlety and how everyone thought it was a joke of a card and how it's even it's seeing play. Turns uh, out free spells are very good. So the two subtlety in the main are definitely big pickups for this deck. Other than that, nothing looks yeah. different. The spell suite's obviously trimmed a little bit. You've got three DRC, four Ragavan, uh, the one Brazen Bar, the three Murktide. You've got li- literally Blue Red Delver. Yeah. Except for the Ragavans, but that's because Ragavan got banned. Yep. And then you've got the same spells. The same spells in Legacy, just worse, like Spell Pierce and you know Lightning Bolt and Unholy Heat and shit like that. Uh, but you do have two Salty in the main with a third in the side. So ready to catch those creatures. Easily ready to probably catch opponent Murktides, but also doing a great job against things like... Uh, does Indomitable Creativity cast the Archon? I just I just thought of that. Let me read this really quick. No, nope, puts on the puts on the battlefield. So it doesn't doesn't fight Indomitable Creativity, but it will fight things like Yogmoth really well. It will fight things like the Rakdos Midrange decks really well. It will fight decks like um like I'm a Titan very well. Yep. So obviously tons of utility and though you know, Murktide region has no problem eventually getting to four mana, especially with all those DRC scries. Yep, and they've got Brazen Borrower for the uh That's Archon. true. They do have the Brazen Borrower, and they're gonna find it because they've got DRC scries. Yeah. Uh, I was watching the Legacy Fit a few weeks ago, Tangent Number E, and it was like they were playing, and the opponent had a DRC out, and he did like two turns where he like played two instant sorceries, and it really hit part uh, uh, Travis, the pit leader. Where it's like, how's this fucking card legal? Just wa- just watch this Delver opponent mm-hmm. dig through like seven cards. Yep. And then the opponent played a second one, and he's like, how is this fucking legal? Yep. Because he watched his opponent play a second one, play Ponder, Graveyard, ben, ben. Graveyard. Ponder. Three fresh cards, like swing <laughs> takes six. The whole pit was just dying laughing at how stupid that card is. And I maintain, I called it from the beginning. DRC was better than Ragavan. Ragavan definitely made you saltier. Ragavan gave you more feel bads for sure. DRC is a better card, and I stick by it. Uh, third place, Dredge. Dredge. We haven't seen Dredge in a while. We got, we really got excited about Dredge a couple months ago, and then it just kind of like died away. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, it really died away. As living end really came up, and that takes whole sense. Yep. Like dredge just dredge just loses. Indomitable to... creativity becoming one of the premier combo decks. Yeah, which has, has shifted everyone's hate to that. Yeah. It stuff does, and... does nothing for the doesn't use the graveyard, and so there's less need for graveyard. Whereas when living end, living end can obviously fight through graveyard hate really effectively. Dredge cannot. Right. And when the, one of the best decks in the format is going to be living end and just a graveyard centric deck on top of Murktide being you know using the graveyard. Dredge just kind of falls to the wayside. But once in a while, it slips back in, and especially aided by Indomitable Creativity, kind of owning the meta from a combo deck perspective for a while. And that's why I will never unsleeve my Leyline of the Voids. <laughs> you will never get me, Dredge. It's, At least unprepared. You may yeah. still win, but I will have my Leyline yep. of the Voids. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty... Un- there's going to there's be a lot of things that have to change in Legacy or Modern to think that you could go to, like let's say, a seven rounds of Swiss and not need Ley Lines once. Mm-hmm. So... I I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stalwart in having a couple having three lay lands in my sideboard. Are you still on four? Uh, I'm on three. Probably. <laughs> the, Matt, you, I gotta, mean, you gotta keep up with the latest tech, man. Three on the numbers. Three's okay. You can do three. It's fine. That's sure. <laughs> uh, this is dredge. I don't see anything in here that's um, outside of what I expect. The so we do have one of the newer cards, thrilling discovery. It's exactly what this deck wants. It's basically another like cathartic reunion. Yeah. Um, it's one of those two mana, uh, discard two cards, draw three. So yep. it's it's all dredge. I mean, what to dredge? That's like what draw ten probably. Yeah. Like discard your two dredgers 
and then <laughs> dredge, dredge, dredge. Yep. So other than that, I don't see anything here. That's particularly new. The creatures like Merchant of the Veil's kind of something we don't see. It's kind of a weird flex in. Uh, three mana, two, three. You can pay three to discard a card and draw a card. You don't have to tap it or anything. So it's a good mana dump, and it's, you know, all Dredge wants to do is get those Dredge cards back in the yard. And then it does have, uh, you can haggle for one red at instant, which is just uh, rummage. Yep. Uh, which is, again, is exactly, again, to Dredge, that's one red mana draw six sometimes, draw yeah. five. In the right circumstances, for sure. So get you to those creeping chills faster, uh, clear the game out. Fourth place, uh, clearly losing to those subtleties in the main, is Amulet Titan. The only, uh, I shouldn't say only, there's a couple of weird flexes I see in here. Uh, two secure a tribe elder, which isn't unheard of by any means, but we definitely don't see it very often. That usually is not the ramp we see. Um, we, what's in that slot? Is there anything in that slot or is that just a straight well, last, re- last week it was either Arboreal Grazer or Steve. Yeah, this has This both. deck has both. Um, I don't think we, I, I don't Like, know. this actually has quite a few bit, uh, quite a bit more creatures than the one last week. Yeah, so what do we trim from? I guess we trimmed, what did we trim? I'd have I don't, to look at the list. Not, I don't know the decks well enough to, like, look at a list and see what's not there, unfortunately. So I'm sorry about that, guys. But yeah, three three Steve and three Grazer is kind of weird, to, or four Grazer, and a Hydra Crisis in the main, which I don't know how normal that is. Obviously, it's a great place to dump a shit ton of mana. It's a good, like, I didn't draw my Titan, so I'm going to gain, you know, eight life and draw right. four, draw eight cards. Yeah, just another payoff. Another Yeah, another payoff. But I don't know why we have room for those. And un- unfortunately, Emperor will be all over the Reddit and all over our Discord because he's actually very, very knowledgeable, especially about Titan decks. Beyond that, I don't see anything that jumps out to me. Looks very standard beyond the Grazers and the Steves. Fifth place, Rakdos Midrange. Uh, a really fun deck that I'm really excited to see. This is actually Rakdos Scam. Yep. This is kind of what I wanted to build. I kind of wanted to build. It's basically like a Stoneforge Scam deck, and uh, turns out it's just bad. But when you put Red and Fury in it, it gets really good. And so this, yep. is, this is the Scam deck that became super popular like a month ago, kind of faded out for a few weeks, and is now back in full force with things like Feign Death and Undying Malice to make sure and get these pitch cards like Grief or Fury to stick on the board, get insane amounts of value, and you know lock the game out. Especially pairing that with a couple of do- like a Dothy. I mean, obviously you want to be going grief turn one, but the games where you rip, you know, you don't grief turn one, or the game goes a little longer. You get your Dothy out, you rip grief. Debilitating. Like the combo of Dothy and any discard spell is terrifying to anybody. It's like, hey, whatever the best spell in your hand is, I might just cast it for well, free. One of the things to keep in mind: if you grief turn one, and you can feign death it, so it sticks. Yeah. Turn two, you can then Dothy. You've got seven basically un- unblockable power on the board. That's true. That's a three-turn clock yeah. from there. Those two, because let's not forget, Dothy Voidwalker is a three-two shadow. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, Li- literally unblockable. That just unless you're un- sitting across another Dothy Voidwalker. Yeah, that just reads unblockable, pretty yep. much. So I mean, that's a very real thing, especially when you also you can you can. If you don't care about going down on cards, you can just get so much tempo. Like, you can ride that out where you're just like, I have seven power on the board. I don't need to play anything else. I'm going to be pitching to Grief and Fury and just eviscerating your game plan for a couple turns, and you're just dead. I'm just going to protect my board for two more turns. And the game's over. You'll have lost. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, That's basically the game plan, though. There's not much in here that, like, you have... A, a Knight's Whisper for a little bit of card advantage to get some of those cards back. Yep. Uh, four Terminate, because as it turns out, Merktide 
outraces both of those creatures quite sure easily. Yep. <laughs> so if you went, you know, if you spend turn one and two just making them discard all their cantrips and they naturally draw Merktide, you just lose the race. Yep. And on top of that, nothing other than Terminate in the deck gets rid of Merktide. Yeah. So Either Fury's in, Fury's not going to cut it. Like, Obviously, you could get it with grief. It was still in their hand, but like. Uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker because that card's insane, and Blood Moon because fuck you, four color. Right. Which, I mean, in fairness, creativity is kind of a four color deck, but it's not as heavily. It's basically yeah. a two color deck, and then not a lot of four color in the top eight. Remind me, don't let me forget to look at top, uh, number 10. Yep. Sixth place, another Murktide list. We only had a couple doubles this week. Murktide's one of them. Uh, this one, no subtleties in the main, no brazen bar in the main either. Uh, doesn't look like we even have subtlety in. Anyway, so we subtlety, subtlety in the side. No brazen borrower in the side, uh, but almost the same spell suite. The Mistress Bobbles, uh, one dress down, and the lands we expect to see. Nineteen lands. Well, and the big thing here is they replaced DRC with Ledger Shredder. Oh, I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, they they didn't. Um, I I we have Ragavan. Ledger Shredder, but no DRC. This no, time. D- no DRC. No DRC. Yep. So we've, yeah, we lost in this deck. We lost the subtleties. We lost the one brazen bar, and we lost the DRCs. Yeah. Yeah. That's this is way more of a spell based plan, capitalizing on Ledger Shredder to Ledger Shredder and Ragavan. Ragavan to get your mana, Ledger Shredder to get through your deck, and Murktide to end the game in two turns. <laughs> right. As le- as Murktide does. Uh, seventh place, we've got a Yogmoth list. So. This is basically like, hey, it's Yogmoth. Hey, it's Cascade. It, it run. There's only it runs all the creatures Yogmoth runs. Uh, there's no Snake Lady. Whatever Snake Lady is again. Uh, yep, Hapatra. No Hapatra. We do have Giralf's Messenger and Blood Artist. The, in my opinion, the appropriate way to build it. Do not put all of your eggs into literally one basket. But I don't see anything like one Thoughtseize seems low. I think these usually run two or three. In the main, we have we have three Thoughtseize in the side, but. Don't see anything in here that surprises me at all. This nope. looks like a exa- like if I sat down to play against Yogmoth, this is what I expect to see. Almost mm-hmm. exactly. And lastly, in eighth, we will talk about tenth because it's awesome. But lastly, in eight, actually in ninth, we'll we'll yeah. we'll touch them briefly. But another Rakdos mid range deck. I have the Ragavans, uh, the Dothies. This is still scam. We do have one addition, Tenacious Underdog. Uh, the spell suite is almost identical, if not identical. Like I think you literally cut one Terminate for the Tenacious. So. I'm shocked Tenacious didn't become a thing in like black aggro style decks in modern or black, even just like black. Um, Card's really good. It is. Tenacious Underdog is, in, is incredibly good. I thought that was going to be. You have like some poxy style decks in, in uh, Legacy. You have some black control decks. Like Tenacious Underdog is exactly what those decks want. A two mana three two, which is decent. And then a four mana is a lot. And that's probably why it doesn't see playing Legacy. But the ability to blitz it just out of your hand. To get the attack in now, draw some uh, draw draw a card, and then from the graveyard every turn you always have these recursive threats that you can be like, well, nothing to do except pay four mana and two life to hit you for three and draw a card. Right. Like honestly, I've played control decks where I would gladly be doing that. I'd be like, my turn, I will draw, I'll play a land, and I'll pay four to draw a card and bleed you for three. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely do that. And the way. The way Blitz is worded, where it just if just leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. Doesn't matter if you exile it. Doesn't matter if you kill it. Doesn't matter if you bounce it. When it leaves, you draw a card. Yep. So good. That card is amazingly good, and it sees zero play realistically outside of standard. So turns out sometimes you're just bad at calling cards. Yep. This one's kind of a little bit lighter on the scam theme. You've only got one Feign Death and two. I guess they just pivoted on the cards then. Well, you've got two Undying yeah, Evil, two, and undying two Undying Malice, Malice. two Malachir Rebirth. Just yeah. different. Yep. Gotcha, yep, yep. 
A li- definitely a little different for sure, but similar in numbers, I think. And yeah. Then you got one I was hit, just looking at the other one where it was like three and four, where they oh, just run yeah, the two were, spells. Just yeah. Very committed to one. Yeah. It's you say three and four. Uh, Fletcher and I were looking at like my reanimator list or the new cottage cheese reanimator list using the cottage and whatever, and it's just like we both ha- we both like at the same time were like I love seeing a deck that is just four, 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 mm-hmm. four, four, four. That deck knows what it wants to do. Yep. I love seeing that. Uh, One-Hit Itsuku Consumes All, which is one of those, like, we kind of call it as being probably Eternal Playable. Pretty sweet card. Um, I mean, it does not interact well with uh, Tenacious, Tenacious Underdog and Kroxa. Yep. You do have some clear uh, anti-synergy there, but it is just a very good card. It comes out in turn three, does clear up a lot of the things these Rakdos decks have a hard time dealing with anyway, and then flips into a 3-3 three, three that gets huge tramples and kills your opponent pretty quickly. So... We'll read 9th and 10th. 9th, Rakdos Goblins. Yay, Goblins. Super happy to see Goblins. Rune Develt, uh, still carrying Goblins from literally non-existence into e- between 1st and ninth place for like three or four weeks in a row. And in 10th place, I'll pass over to Matt a little bit, but like Domain Zoo. Yeah. So like Scion of Draco and Territorial Kavu are playable in modern. So, A, I... Cannot overstate how happy I am to see a Kavu in play. Uh, I love them. They don't have a ton of like personality, but they're very nostalgic for me. Uh, I was playing a lot of Magic back when Kavu were around. Oh, they printed a worse Kavu. Hmm? The Nishola Brawler. Nishola Brawler is a worst Kavu. Oh, worse of the territorial one. Yeah, but it's still really good. Uh, the one that everybody who's been playing Magic for like a long time, like way back in the day, knows is Flame Tongue Kavu, which was a four mana. 4-2 when it ETBs, it deals 4 damage to target creature. Pretty strong. Which back then was very, very good. Does it kill any non-Tarmogoyf? Pretty much. I mean, it was way before Tarmogoyf. I guess that's true, yeah. So, like, I mean, that card was just everywhere. It was super popular. Everybody loved it. But, like, Kavu were a big thing back then. Um, my one that I played a lot was uh, Horned Kavu, which is a 2-mana 3-4. When it ETBs, you have to return a red or green creature to your hand. And I would run it in basically what people run now is, like, those mono green devotion decks where I've got like land of war elves and whatnot. So I'm trying to power out something big. Uh-huh. So I just bounce an elf and I have a two mana three, four. Yep. Uh, or you can get some stuff that has like casting synergies and whatnot. So I just, uh, I have a soft spot for Kavu. They're not yep. my favorite tribe or anything, but I'm excited Pretty to see cool. them, but we've got wild and the cattle. So, I mean, if I remember correctly, wild and the cattle three. was banned in modern. Oh, was it? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. One mana three, three. So one mana three, three. And that was too good. Uh, it got unbanned and did nothing. Um, I'm, again, excited to see it come back. Like, this deck looks like it was made in, like, 2001. <laughs> yeah, some, I mean, except for the Furies and the yeah, Nishobas, but... But, like, the style of it. So we've got the the Brawler, which is a uh, two-mana star three with Trample. Uh, its power is equal to the number of basic land types you control. Yeah. So, so it's going to be a 5-3. So it's a two-mana 5-3. Well, and the Cattle's a, a one-mana 3-3. Three, three. Yep. Uh, Territorial Kavu, it's a two-mana star star. It's power and toughness equal to your basic land types. And whenever it attacks, you choose one, discard a card if you do draw one, uh, and then exile up to one target card from a graveyard. Got Fury. And then Scion of Draco is a 12-mana 4-4, and it costs two less for your domain, so per basic land type, with flying, and each creature you control has vigilance if it's white, hexproof for blue, lifelink for black, first strike for red, and trample for green. So, again, very cool card if it only costs... I mean, if I'm mathing right, it costs two. Yeah, because you get minus ten. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm just. I'm looking at. I'm like. Yep. Okay. Cool. Before I say this on air, that just costs two, right? <laughs> yeah. So re. 
like I love the fact that these triomes exist because I like the f- decent like to me the triomes are pretty balanced like they're clearly not broken they don't see play and everything but they really help something like domain and uh domain to me this isn't just good stuff like where we'd see with like an omnath deck this is like getting payoff for having basic land types and that's just totally different style of deck in my opinion uh-huh. uh then we've got teferi time raveler i don't know why you wouldn't run this yeah. <laughs> teferi is just stupid good it it does a lot in the game because i mean like a teferi against cascade is like yeah. it's super hard to beat it's like, just a very good card in a lot of matchups not all of them but in a lot of matchups the you, you get into a sub game of the uh, deal with teferi revolving around teferi and when you can put those questions to your opponent sometimes they will have the answer which that's what happens sometimes but that's an answer not used on your scion that's kind of how you you should view your threats and sometimes they don't have the answer and the game is run away with having a teferi and they don't yeah then you thought lightning bolt is good have you seen tribal flames (laughs) two man sorcery domain deals x damage to target creature or player where x is number of basic land types two mana Lava Axe. <laughs> yep. Pretty strong. Pretty good. And then, of course, the card that actually is kicking all this stuff off, Leyline Binding. So, like, that's, yeah. like, there's only three of them in there, probably, but, like. I mean, in fairness, in this entire deck, probably the best domain payoff. Oh, yeah, for sure. One I mana mean, O-ring at instant speed. It's the third best card in the deck. You got Teferi, Lightning Bolt, and Leyline of the Binding, as far yeah. as, like, spells go. Yeah. Um, Ragavan. The deck's got some powerful cards, but, like, the powerful cards. Like the domain cards. You, you, yeah. You listed four. You listed three non-domain cards and one domain card. That's what I mean. And, yeah. Like like the non-domain, like I don't think domain is good enough that if we got rid of some of these cards that are kind of doing some heavy lifting here, that the deck would probably still see play. Like if you if you took them out of this deck, but they still existed in modern, but they do exist mm-hmm. and they are just going to run them. So yeah. you've got Ragavan. I mean, Ragavan's perfect for this deck. I mean, you're getting treasure token. Uh-huh. So like... It just lets you cast your stuff anyways. Yeah, it it makes, fixes your colors when you so don't happen easier. to have domain. Um, and well, one of the big things is with this kind of deck is it's going to want to try to be aggressive, but it's also playing lands that come into play tapped. Yeah. So you got to you have to fight that a, a lot. Yep. The now it's not a ton because you only have a couple triumphs, but like you're going to be hitting shocks a lot. Yep. You're aggressive. You're going to be shocking yourself like a mf'er. So. There's a really good people that are like playing five color, looking to prove these five color lists. There's a really important strategy this uh, player, uh, Archaeus Dota, has employed in his design. And if you look at the mana pips, other than Fury, which you probably ain't casting anyway, nothing has double pips. Yep. So this is you literally could fetch two triomes and you can cast every spell in this deck. There's no blue blue. There's no green green. There's no red red green. Because your mana is going to be stretched really hard to be able to cast all these spells, all these different color pips, so you only have one of each. Nothing doubles up except for the Fury, and you're not casting that anyway, probably. Yeah, and if you also look, just to kind of back up your point with the mana base, the triumphs he has are the triumphs that cast the slower spells in the deck. So like, uh, Indatha is white, black, and green, so there's no black in the main, and you've got Teferi and Leyline Binding. Mm-hmm. So that's the, like the only time you fetch that is if you're going to be casting your Leyline Binding. Yep. Same thing with Xander's Lounge. You've got blue, black, and red. So like the two or the three colors there again, black is useless. So you're not ever forced to fetch it if you need it. Yep. And then blue is just Teferi and Stubborn Denial. So like there's very, like this mana base was thought out pretty well. So you're never forced to get these triumphs yes. in order to cast your spells. You only get them when it's to your advantage to do so. 
So you're not having to attack. You're not like setting yourself back on tempo as much, uh, which is smart. Yeah. You also have Shadow Prophecy in the uh, uh, side. Uh, three mana, instant, domain, look at the top X cards, so top five cards, uh, and then you get two of them. And then you lose two life. So a good little uh, one of those. What's the, there's a, it's like one of the good cards from Zendikar. It's like, it's the same thing, but it's cost three mana. And you look at the top X cards where X is in different color spells. It sees play painful like truths. painful truths, that card. So it's an even better painful truth in this. Magic, magic players are insane. So. The fact that you can just name a card that came out like six years ago and what it does. It's like, oh yeah, I know the name. of I can picture the art. Yep. I get, I use it all the time. It's a fantastic card. It's the freaking, it's the floating lands of Zendikar and some, I think it's a chick on a tight or on a, on a, on a rappel line swinging from, I think right to left. Yeah. So hilarious. Anywho, bunch of cool stuff going yeah, on in modern. Cool too. stuff in modern. So metagame summary, Marktide region, 18.75. Uh, so almost 19%, six decks, little high, but uh, we have that turn we see, like, for example, Hammer Time, 12.5%. Hammer Time was fucking killing it earlier, like a, a week or two ago, and now it's back down to 12.5%. Uh, Rakdos mid-range and Mill. We didn't see any Mill decks in the top eight, but Mill coming in, third most popular deck at 9.5% each. 31st, 32nd, well, and 20th. <laughs> boy, they stalled out there at the end. They had some hot runs and then stalled out and missed, yep. out, there, missed out at the end. Uh, then we have Crashing Footfalls uh, with two decks and then a bunch of one-ofs like Creativity, Dredge, Titan, Yagma, stuff like that. Goblins. Most played cards, Ragavan, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, and Mishra's Bobble. Hey, look. It's Blue Red Delver and Modern. Yeah. Play Murktide. Uh, top Creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Murktide, Subtlety, and Dragon Rage Channeler. That's most of Murktide region. And Top Spells, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, and Mystical dispute all right so we're about an hour 10 in and i know you want to talk about popper um but i forgot this until just now mono wolf did sub mono wolf and i think emperor both submitted some kind of like hey if you want you can talk about this and they have that force the issue we told them last week to bring it up so i'm going to read this to you for the first time uh you'll be able to answer this right away you've answered this question to me a lot actually so you're very good at this but i'm going to read uh this post from mono wolf uh, i have a force the issue if you guys still want one i am curious if you guys would go over your plan of attack on teaching new players. I mentioned before that my niece is starting to learn, and she played a green stompy deck with a little bit of coaching and was able to kill one player in the pod. She really likes blue cards and drakes and birds, so I started pulling cards, but I'm really worried about teaching blue to a new player. Yep. So, um... This is going to be almost entirely Matt, because he's done this 20 times. I've taught quite a few people how to play Magic, and over that, I've, um... I've kind of refined it either in practice or in theory. So some of the stuff I haven't tested yet, but the first, like if they know nothing, the first thing I would do is if you can get a couple decks that are basically identical, they don't even have to be 60 cards, but play them against each other. Keep everything sorcery speed because the best thing to do when you're teaching somebody to play magic is to introduce the basic rules of the game and then like drip feed them mechanics. Mm -hmm. So you go, Hey, we're going to play a game of magic and it's going to involve stuff like lava spike and creatures. Mm -hmm. So you, that's where you start, right? Then you can introduce stuff like you I got a question. A question. Yep. So when you're building this deck, do you even put instants in it? And no, just tell I them, don't even put them in there. Don't even put them in there. Nope. And then and the, uh, uh, the power level doesn't matter. We're once playing the, right. Decks. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't matter who wins. And again, I would try to keep the decks the same for the first couple games. And then you can pivot and you can kind of teach you can use your deck to teach them saying things and their deck to teach them things. But the first thing you want to do, like magic has a shit ton of rules. Mm -hmm. You want them to understand. I mean, 
the number of people that I've encountered that don't know or that I've heard of that don't know what tapping a land to put mana in your mana pool does mm -hmm. because there's a lot of confusion just around the basic fact of like what a land does. Yep. So like does having this land just because like does it just mean okay I permanently have a green so everything just costs one less? Does it? Do I like you know at, does adding a man I've had people think that adding mana means you search your library for a uh, a forest and put it out mm -hmm. like there's all kinds of stuff yeah so you want to start with the absolute basics it's not necessarily straightforward it's not and if you look at arena arena basically does this all of it it's and to the point where like i've had trouble getting through the tutorial because it just drives me crazy because i've been playing for so long i'm like i can't do this <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, so you start with the very basic stuff and then you can slowly introduce your mechanics. And then what I would do, I would, in my opinion, I would do blue last. Cause it's very difficult to play blue. This, you want them to understand what, how responding is and what it, like what it is, what the stack is before you introduce counter spells. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with the introduction of instance and like, then you can add sacrifice effects or like activated abilities and stuff like that. Um, I don't even touch on theory. Until they actually know the rules of the game. So a theory you mean... So a th in magic theory, you're talking about why... So there's the rules of the game and there's how you actually win. Yeah. Like how to be good at it. Like why is card advantage important? Yep. What tempo is. Like what these like like big T theory things yeah. mean. I mean literally pillars of competitive magic. Like, right. When is it right to trade two cards for one? When is it correct to count? What, what spells do you counter? What, and what... you can use these decks to teach those lessons. So like one of the things, like if you want to teach some, I taught someone how to not overcommit. He was playing uh, Affinity. We just had some casual decks. I had an Affinity deck, which was based around Atog. And he, I taught him a couple lessons with this. Mm -hmm. He scooped up his artifacts all at once to make Atog huge. huge. And in response, I lightning bolted it. Mm. And I was like, this is why you don't do that. You are free to take this back. Yes. I'm not going to like I'm not going to haha gotcha because I don't but care about winning. He didn't. But do it was this. Then he, do this. Yes, he didn't go. I'm going to sacrifice this to give it plus like because that's what you, that's what you have to do if you think if you're expecting something like lightning bolt is yeah. you do one and you force your opponent to act and then you can respond. Yep. But if you because without knowing it, what he did was hold priority yeah. and picked up all his artifacts. Well, that's a perfectly legal move in Magic. Uh huh. Yeah. If you're in a tournament and you did that, but none of that resolves until yeah. The, the implication there is clearly that you're saying, I'm going to do this effect 10 times, and Atog will be a 25-25. And I yeah. go, cool. In response to that, right. as he's a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2. Two, two, yeah, he's a 1-2 if I remember he's a one, correctly. Two. I'm going to cast Lightning Bolt. Right. So like those are that's when you can kind of start to introduce these, some of these lessons. But the big thing is you they have to know the basics of the rules. So one of the things I love about Magic is, I know we just sat around talking about how complicated it is, but the actual basics are pretty simple. You, If they can get the concept of mana, I kind of think of mana as like energy. Yep. Not in the magic term energy, but like a floating energy yep. like thing. If they can get that and they get they can get that they're spending it to, they're taking a, a, a semi-permanent resource, they're spending it to play cards that do effects. If they can get that, then you can start to introduce more complicated stuff. Uh, it just depends on how... Well, they get that and how quickly they get that. Mm -hmm. I've taught some people that were very good and picked it up very quickly. My buddy Jason, like, picked up like that. I started, he's the type of person who is as soon as I explained, like, concepts of, like, card advantage and whatnot, mm -hmm. went, oh, okay, cool. And then, like, just 
became very good at magic very quickly. It took me a lot longer. And some was, of the stuff you just got to learn. Picking that stuff up. Uh, I, I was too. The fun. That's the funny thing. Like I've said it multiple times. I'm actually kind of a slow learner. Mm-hmm. I'm reasonable at magic because I've been playing for like 23 years. Yep. Put those 10,000 hours. <laughs> I in. put my 10,000 hours in. In my case, well, that's a perfect example of like my learning curve. It takes like 12,000 hours for me to get good at yeah. something. I will eventually get better than a lot of people. Like my curve, like keeps going, and mm-hmm. but it takes a lot longer to get there. Yep. Um, the one thing I would absolutely say: do not start. And I. I hear this all the time, even like in person, on posts, all this kind of stuff where new players or people who are teaching a new player want to play EDH Yeah, because EDH well, is it, sold as a casual format. It EDH sounds is like, I mean, that, like this thing, like we've that's played what I thought EDH. about that. They've, she's done a good job. I think it says niece of defeating a player in a pod. So now like, at this point, it sounds like maybe she, well here, the niece I, is already like, Kind of got a handle on things. I don't know what happened. Here, one of two things has happened in this scenario. Either the niece has got a handle on magic and she defeated a player in a pod, or, and I'm not throwing shade at Monwell for his pod, you guys played her deck for her to a victory. Right. Which is also possible. It's easy to do because, especially in EDH, we're so used to helping our, our opponents. Like, oh my gosh, Matt, you've, you've got the combo there. If you just do that and do that, it's infinite. And it's very easy when someone's new to accidentally just play it for them and they're just kind of sitting there like, so did you die? Right. Okay, cool. So That may have not happened, but it's easy to do. Yep. In my opinion, EDH is the worst format for new players. Yep. Uh, It's not, like it's, EDH is casual in the sense that you, if you're not playing CEDH. We're not trying to win. We're trying to have fun. Winning is not the only goal. Sure. That's That's the way I like to look. Like, there's two goals in a EDH game. It's to make sure me and my friends are having a good time. And within that, the mission parameters, I would also like to win. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The important that'd be cool. Thing, it's kind of playing D&D. The important right. thing is we've got to go and have fun. Correct. Now, CEDH just foregoes all that and yep. says we're here to win. The problem with EDH is it is incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, playing EDH a ton, I never felt better at Legacy than when we were playing EDH every week. Yeah. Because Legacy felt like magic in easy mode where I have one opponent, yeah. he's playing one deck, and it's I already know what's in his deck. And the card pool is so drastically reduced. Yep. EDH and, has got so much shit going on. Yeah. And you think about if you were to build these just stock decks to teach someone to play, you can run those decks for 10 games. And eventually what's going to happen is you're going to say, I'm going to cast Giant Spider, and your niece is going to go, oh, that's the one that's a 2-4 with Reach. It's like, bam, your name, your remember cards. Right. But EDH, everybody's got six fucking decks. And so it's like, I'm going to play my Dwarf Vehicles deck. Now I'm going to play my Ilharg deck. Now right. I'm going to play my Toxic deck. And you're only going to see 20 of the 100 yeah. cards in and there. Those, car- those decks have 400 unique cards between them. Right. And you're going to see 15 to 20 each game. And on top of that, there are actual physical reasons why you don't want to do that. This is something that we ran into when my buddy Ryan came down. He doesn't. He knows how to play Magic. He's been playing it longer than I have. He doesn't play a ton though. So uh-huh. when we're playing EDH, he literally can't see to the end of the table. Yep. Because I've got a pretty big table. So like, he doesn't know what's going on over there. So your new player is going to be in that exact same scenario yep. where not only is are people throwing off names because Magic names just keep getting weirder and weirder. They're throwing out all kinds of stuff. They don't know. They don't have any idea what's going on, and now they can't even yeah. physically see the cards. I think Magic players, and I'm myself included, have just have a, a, a relatively small understanding of how much lingo we know. Mm-hmm. And so, even when we're playing Commander, because obviously you're gonna name cards like half the time you just name cards I know. It's like, oh, what is that? It's Gary. Cool. I know what that is. Right. I can tell you that it's a two. It's a five mana 
two two that when it ETVs your each opponent loses life equal to your devotion to black and you gain that much life. And it's like we just know all that shit. So first of all, people forget that we just know all that shit. And second of all, we forget that we know the lingo. And so I could be like, hey Matt, what is that? And you can go, oh, this is uh Global Schnorp, the undefined. And it's like, oh, what is that? It's it's a two two with flying. And like that's all we need to know. Yep. <laughs> but like to your new player, that doesn't mean anything. Two two I wait is that a twenty two? Is it right. flying? What does flying do? There's so much of that where we're playing stuff, or someone casts a creature, and it has a wall of text. And I go, "What does that do?" And they go, "Oh, it, you know, ETBs. I gain a life, and then when it dies, I draw a card." Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Well, to we, to us, it do. And so that's why Commander works so well. Is Matt's across the room? He plays a card. Matt, what does that do? I can tap it to draw a card, discard a card. Cool. Whereas Sarah, like Sarah, went through this recently, yep. or maybe your niece, that doesn't mean anything. And she's gonna, and she might forget every time something new happens. She's gonna forget about that. Well, and on top of all of that, you're also going to have the fact she's not gonna know if any of that's good. Yeah, that's very yeah. What does that? Because yeah, what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Well, within the con. So if you say, oh, well, that card draws a card, and I discard a card. Well, what kind of deck are you playing? Is Merfolk Looter good in your deck? Maybe. Or is it just Merfolk Looter? Just Merfolk Looter. Yeah. Right. So should I kill that? Yep. I don't know. I mean, like, so is, is Matt gonna win soon? Is Sarah gonna win soon? Right. What's there's yeah the the idea that and I'm, I'm obviously it's it's fun to play commander and I get that we all throw our friends in the commander games but like the idea that you are managing when you're playing commander correctly or I say well I should say when you're like and you're managing the threat level of three separate opponents it's incredibly difficult. Yep. Um. So bringing it back to we'll pivot from what not to do back to what to do. So a good example of stuff that I would start with would be like, you don't have to have two of the same deck. It just makes it easier because you'll see more of the same stuff. And you don't even have to, one of the, you don't have to follow the standard deck building rules. So like you can have a deck that's 40 cards and 10 of them are Lava Spike and 10 of them are whatever. But what, one of the cool things you do is you start out with something like, um, like say you have a green deck and a red deck. You've got a couple, you just have vanilla creatures Mm -hmm. and then the red deck gets stuff like Lava Spike or Volcanic Hammer, so Sorcery Speed, Crappy Lightning Bolts. Yep. And then the green deck gets uh, Sorcery Speed stuff like Monstrous Growth as opposed to Giant Growth. Yeah. So it's just like you're going to pay two. It's going to do make it one bigger. So you can teach them basics of like, hey, this is a this is a spell. Yeah. You cast this. It has an effect. It ends at the end of turn. You get all that stuff. And then what that does is it allows you to then okay, we're going to take your lava spikes and replace them with lightning bolts now. And even then, what you still want to do is play at sorcery speed. Let them respond to you, but you don't respond to them. Then once you've once they've got a handle on that, you can start responding to them. Yep. So they go to lightning bolt your thing and you go, now this is cool. Now you giant can growth. giant growth in response. Yep. Like stuff like that. So you just kind of, that'd be my quick like gist of it. I've taught several people how to play magic. From there, if they get really into it and want to learn competitive magic, tell them to listen to any podcast other than ours. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to uh, Tangent Cartel. Yeah, Tangent Cartel. Uh, There's a great book. Um, This is going to reveal my age to some degree. There's a guy named Mike Flores who's a big magic pro. Um, His nickname was Bad Player Mike. Uh, He was very good at brewing decks. He still writes. I think he writes for Cool Stuff, Inc., uh, but there's a book called Decade, which in this book came out like more than 10 years ago. 
but it was basically a collection of uh, all of his writings, at least the important ones up until that point. And it covers a lot of the basics, like who's the beat down, the philosophy of fire, stuff like that, where you're taught like magic theory. It's <laughs> let me boil down this uh, in its essence. People used to use necropotence in aggro decks. Yep. Like, and that's not necessarily saying you shouldn't, because if you can play necropotence, you probably should. But like, Magic theory has come so far. It's, I mean, it's it's a wildly different game, but it's it's functioning in the same way chess does. Yeah. Where like chess players now know so much more than chess players did a hundred years ago. Who knew so much more chess? Yep. Like the because you're just building on this knowledge base. It's just the idea of sports in general. Like right. look look at you can find these. Like look up uh, gymnast gymnast Olympic gymnast from like the nineteen. Yeah, the pole vaults where the girl does one flip, not or not vaults. even. The, uh, not pole vaults, but uh, like, or not pole vaults, uh, the uh, the the parallel bars. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, like you look at gymnasts in the fifties who were the peak of gym of gymnastics, uh, and now you have, I mean, the, what's going on in the twenty twenty Olympics or whatever. What was what's the one where they run down and they the do pommel horse? Well, the pommel horse when they stand. Well, they they just do one. Ba- it's basically a sprint and then a ton of flips at the end. The springboard, springboard, whatever that is. But yes. That's the one that that yeah. kind of went viral where it was like, here's one from 1940 and it's in black and white. And the woman just basically jumps over the thing. Uh-huh. And then it's like, here's one from the last Olympics. And she looks like she's playing a video game with like ragdoll physics. Where yeah. she's like, <laughs> She does like six flips, a right. double twist. And it's like, that was the gold yep. medalist. Yep, that was the pinnacle. And 60 years we, later, that's where we're at now. We build on. Right. And magic is no different. We talk. I mean, I listen to uh, Limited Resources and sometimes you'll hear LSV talk about playing in the late 90s and just what a shit show it was yep. of professional magic players and they had no idea how to draft they had no idea how to build mana bases they had no idea how to use necropotence and just like how it is today where you can hop on and just the wealth of knowledge that exists is absurd yep and it's all kind of taken for granted yeah too so with the uh the availability of the internet i know it was around the entire for the entirety of magic but the prevalence has just wildly changed yeah so like it also wasn't easily accessible right that's what i mean like I, again i just said it in this podcast i didn't have a computer uh-huh i got my first computer that i had actual access to in like 2003 yeah. it was like a senior in high school so like <laughs> it's it's even and that was still aol like dial up it's before my time i never used this website but like the website was called the source yep one of the best websites for magic at the time and you if you didn't know about it good luck fucking finding it yeah if you went to well, I mean, what it used to be is reading magazines. Yeah. You had to fucking buy a magazine and read it. So, like, magic theory's come a long way. If your niece gets into it to that degree, I don't know how old she is. Um, there's plenty of information out there. Uh, we didn't mention it. Arena isn't a bad place to start either. No, it's not. You, Arena will hold your hand for a lot of things. It does, and it you'll get a ton of games in. Yeah. You get reps in, and you can you can download Arena for free. They'll give you some cheap, shitty decks, and you can just play the computer. Which, if if they just to learn and just to make mistakes, it's very good at yeah holding your hand to get <clears> some reps in. And it doesn't allow you to do illegal stuff. Yes, which is one of the nice things. Um, it's very easy to break the rules in Magic accidentally. Yeah, I mean, we used to do it all the time just because like kitchen table magic. Oh my god! So before we played Magic, we played BattleTech. So this was uh, way back in the day when Derek from Family Gathering and I, we used to live across the street from each other. Uh-huh. So we would sit on my porch and play Battletech. And it was just a card game based on the Battletech series, sure. which is mechs basically punching each other. And we had no actual idea how to play. Yep. 
the one of the cool things the whole game was built around uh milling effectively so when you attacked your opponent you oh, were attacking their library that's clever and when they were out of cards that's how they you killed them yeah but like we would just sit there and just play mechs and then eventually one of us would attack uh-huh. <laughs> like, and i guess the game's over i guess the game's over because yep. i mean and you have a rule book but again you're talking about a rule book that's 20 pages long yeah. you're six years old or we, not six but i mean we're yeah, talking like, you're 12 like yeah we were we, like in fifth or sixth grade when did you when did you read the fucking instructions at a, as a 10 year old oh we were trying we tried did you oh yeah we were trying to learn it is well it it just wasn't written very well yeah and I mean, you can go back. I, like I think I have one sitting somewhere That'd be fun to in read. my game room. It's just like try old. And read it and see if I can figure it out. Yeah, it's but stuff like that. So like these games are complicated. Take Tangent your time. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, I would. That's how I would start if I was going to teach somebody from scratch. With you, I didn't really have to teach you how to play necessarily. You had a rough idea of how yeah. to play. You need to learn some rules. I know a lot of the rules, but I knew and, I, I understand the concepts of you play. You play a land yeah. turn. You tap it for mana. You use a mana to cast spells. Yeah, and then like teaching you how to get good, the basics, yeah. and a lot of that stuff. Now EDH, I do like once they've got a grasp on yeah. the basics. It's it, it can be cool, end. but you still need to like, for example, when you're playing against new people, don't pick your best deck. Play your casual stuff. Yeah. Give them a chance to win. Like, you don't have to play, like, horribly, mm-hmm. but allow them opportunities. That's one of the things I do when I play people that are new. I don't necessarily just throw the game. Don't follow the best line, though. Don't follow the best line. And if you're trying to teach them a lesson, present them with the opportunity to learn that lesson. Uh-huh. So, like, if you know they're playing a control deck, overcommit. Yeah. So but- they go, holy crap, I just killed four creatures with my Wrath of God. That's amazing. Yep. And then you go... Oh man, I really played too many creatures. I should have, you yeah. know, I should have expected like should, should give them the opportunity. The right. So like again, you don't necessarily have to be throwing games, but use them. I would look at every game you play for the next, you know, however many times you play until they get good, not as a opportunity to win, but just teach them. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins wins, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're trying to get A, make sure they enjoy what they're doing, which I'm sure you know this, but like you asked me to talk about it. Yeah. So make sure they enjoy what they're doing. And make sure they're learning, and your winning should come dead last yep. as to the as far as the priority goes. What I what the, the thought I had when you're talking about how the, one of the good things about Commander is I don't know if you're getting at this, but it will make you a very good player. It does when you learn to play Magic and you start playing Commander, you will get very good at. You learn a lot of rules. <laughs> you learn a lot of rules. You learn a lot of interactions, and you'll learn a lot about assessing threats, evaluating board states, making the right decisions. You'll get punished a lot, but like, I mean, it's kind of like there's an example that I cannot think of right now, but like the person who plays a fuck ton of commander is not in a terrible place to start playing like modern. Nope. Because you're really used to playing really complicated, difficult games with sometimes very tight lines you have to chase down. Yeah. I mean, if you look at something like, I don't want to overstate the case here, but if you look at something like Merktide Regent, they're complicated in the sense that like compared to like a standard deck, mm-hmm. but it's not complicated magic. Yeah. Again, you That's have nice thing about one opponent with a few. There's going to be eight to ten cards that actually do a thing. Yep. I pulled a lot of people at the card shop off of like straight. I've only ever played EDH to playing sixty card constructed, and they the when their eyes light up because they realize I can run four of the same in a sixty card deck. That'd be so consistent. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. You go from playing a hundred cards rando and you make those decks good and consistent, and it's like, okay, now. Run forty percent less cards 
and and just take the best ones. Just take the best like eight cards and run four of each. Yeah, that's a deck. There's your that's, deck. That's the start of a deck. That's your deck, and that's, yeah. that's literally my that's my Esper Animator deck. I have like the best eight cards, four of each. Yep, and then a fucking mana base, and we're good to go. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, yeah, that's where I would. Yep. That's where I would start. I agree that the the big thing is if they're if they're absolutely learning the basics, play with creatures. Play with creatures. Play some sorceries. Sorceries. And they then start adding, start adding in keywords. Yep. Start adding in instants. Start adding in, uh, start adding in, um, uh, triggered abilities, and let them be like, hey, this does that. Activate, put in some activated abilities. Just slowly start building on that. But start with creatures and sorceries, and we play. You play on your turn. I play on my turn. If you're looking for a format to do that in, Popper is fantastic for that. Yeah. If There's. You, if you want to get to where you're playing like actual decks with actual yep. game plans, so you're not like like I don't know how big of a collection he has or just anybody listening but like popper is a fantastic way there's plenty of decks that just are dudes smashing into each other Mm -hmm. uh an actual a very good early deck this is something i'd got for uh so ashley her son uh from family gathering was her son jonathan they were teaching them how to play magic and one of the first decks we got him was uh popper slivers yep the deck doesn't do it's not interacting in instant nope. speed. It's not complicated. But what it did do is a teach him combat very well. Yeah. And b like those lord effects and like okay, this does haste. This is plus uh-huh. one plus one. This is vigilance. This Keeping is track of all that. You have to keep track of it. Planning so your turn. It's not just playing just vanilla creatures, which can get boring very quickly. Yep. But it also teaches you other stuff like overcommitting because there are board wipes in Popper. Yep. Like you do have to watch out for a lot of that stuff. So like, and it teaches you like. You know, your opponent is going to try to pick those apart. So, like, one of the things you're, like, if you're a new player and you have these this green-white slivers deck, right, and your opponent knows what they're doing and they have kill spells, well, if they're killing specific things over and over, you should be picking up on these are probably the good cards. Mm-hmm. Start, like, just basic lessons like you, that. You start gaining, that, that's value assessment. You start gaining so these the, are the ones I need to protect. Yep, you need to play in a way that lets you maximize the utility of these creatures right. versus other creatures. Correct. So... Hopefully, hopefully that's a good start. To like I said, that's how Matt uh, didn't teach me how to play Magic, but he helped me grow as a Magic player. That's how he taught my wife how to play Magic. Um, that's I, we didn't teach Mike to play Magic, but we kind of he hadn't played. Very he was much. in a very similar boat so as you, me, where we like he really helped him grow and blossom as a Magic player. So I like I said, I, I think it was a great question. Uh, a lot of people have tuned out long ago, and that's totally fine. But I think the vast majority of people that play Magic will at some point in their life be in a position to teach a brand new person magic. It's a great experience and, and it, it really makes you better at magic. Yeah, like does. every single time I've taught somebody, I've like I've learned something or I've looked at something in a different way yeah. or like really kind of like something clicked where it was just like, you know, like it it's one thing to get good at something and it's another thing to be good at it enough well, to be good at it enough that you could teach someone exactly. else. So yeah, I, I think that's all great advice, and I appreciate Matt for basically kind of taking over that and and spreading that knowledge. And thank you, Mono Wolf, for the wonderful question and the wonderful topic to hit. Like, I mean, like that's one of those things. Like, once every like year or two, we should have an episode that's like starting a new player on Magic, and we should have an episode like every year, every two years, have a basic deck building tips because yeah. they're just good things. It's you're never too good of a Magic player to think about these things again. And there's a lot of times where you're, you're maybe you have a new Magic player or someone who's gotten into the game more recently, and this is genuine information to them. But that does bring us to the end of our episode. A little longer this week, but that's okay. 
we do love doing I do love those discussions where we start talking about some of the fundamentals or some of the core principles or some of the theory behind magic. And mm-hmm. starting a new player involves a lot of theory that you need to think about and how you're going to approach your how you're going to approach your new player. Uh, one final shout out to Emperor Ramblin Rogue, Derek Ashley, Eric Monowolf, Ethan CJ, Nate Jameson. One final final shout out to Will and Aramis at the Plain Soccer's podcast. I still I like their podcast. I follow them, keep an eye on them, join the Discord. I hope they come back. I hope we can, you know, still jab each other once in a while. But one final, final goodbye, Matt, yep. to the Plain Stalkers. Peace out, homie. Peace out, homie. Thanks for the help. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, basically Cantrip Cartel everywhere. We nailed it. Got it down. And I think that. And you can hit our Patreon at patreon.com for Cantrip Cartel to get some sweet perks, including, like I said, Free shirt, ten dollars a month. I know it's not nothing, but you you can you could literally do it for three months, get the shirt, and then shut it off. And I'll just I'll just give you a shirt. It's fine. Yep. But Matt, was there anything else you want to talk about this week? N- nope. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Not that I know of, but right. I forget stuff all the time. So I'm an unreliable source as far as that goes. I think we're good, and we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So what was what did you? I can't see your board. What did you play? Uh, Leaf Crown Visionary and a Land War Elf. What is, what do those do? So Leaf Crown Visionary is one one Elf Lord. Uh, when I cast an Elf, I can pay an extra green and uh, draw a card. What's a Lord? A Lord is a creature that gives plus one plus one to other creatures that share type. It's a lingo. Oh, okay, okay. Is that good? No, you should definitely ignore that. Never did me wrong before. Silly new players. <laughs> Fall for it every time. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells. Casting ale, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies. Where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries. When the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence. Since burnished all the birch Lorian mounds Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how To convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled To draw every single card with the cantrip cartel Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel. Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel.